The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to the Motherhood Unstressed Podcast, and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Welcome back. Welcome to another new week. And if this is the first time that you're tuning in, welcome. I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you found us. Um, this has been an incredible summer, but today is the end of that. Um, I've spent all summer with the boys for, for the first time, really, since having them. I'd always worked full time, so I never got to spend my summers with them. And it was incredible. We did so many fun things. We went to the planetarium, the zoo. We had millions of picnics at the park. Um, and it was wonderful, and I'm so grateful for that time with them. But they're back now, and I'm back into my early morning routine, which I secretly love. Um, I do love staying up late at night and reading and just kind of connecting with them, watching movies. But now that we're back on this schedule, I do like getting up early and meditating and journaling and doing my stretches while everyone's still asleep, and then getting the coffee going and then waking them up. Like There's something really special about that, and I know that these years are going to fly by, and so to have that, um, I just love it, and I notice it, um, and I'm sure you have your own special routines with your little ones too, um, which is kind of cool. So I encourage you to write it down because it just really it does it does go so fast. And I know it's cliche to say that, but I'm finding you know Nash is in second grade now, DC's in pre-K, like it, it really does go by fast. So to memorialize it in some way, I think is always a good idea. Um, but moving on, it is a new week, so I have a new interview for you, and my guest today is amazing. She is a just so well-spoken and brilliant woman. Um, she is the CEO and founder of Lunia, which is a high-end sleepwear line, and so um, her business began when she realized that there was a hole in the market. There was no one doing this, um, and so if you look at like Lululemon, who really took high-end workout gear to the next level, this is what she's doing with Lunia, and they're their products are so beautiful and so comfortable. They use a bunch of different kinds of fabrics, and they're just a stellar high-end company. Um, but what I really wanted to ask her was, what? how do you build a business from idea, from dream, to an actual practical plan? Like, What do you do? What are the first steps? And so she takes me through you know, the process that it took to go from that idea into an actual functioning business. And so a lot of what she shares is practical advice, you know, processes that you need to put in a place, people that you need to put in a place, and the timeline that that takes. Um, but really, I think the biggest takeaway that I got from her was that you don't need to have it all figured out. You don't. <laughs> so, so many people when they're starting businesses, especially women, you know, you have to have a business plan, you have to have everything, you know, written out and da da da, da and that's not true because that's not life. That's not how things work. Um, so a lot of trial and error, a lot of figuring things out, a lot of listening to the whispers and just following along and meeting the right people at the right time, that all comes into play as well. So I think you're definitely going to get a lot out of this episode. I think you're going to learn a lot and I hope that it inspires you to go after your dreams too. You know, I mean, it is possible. Have the intention, have the dream and then follow it and don't give up. Ugh. And who knows what will happen. Um, and I just wanted to leave off with a thank you. 
to all of you who have been leaving reviews on the podcast. That means so much to me and really enforces, you know, why I'm doing this work. You know, who is it for? Who Who's even listening to this right now? <laughs> it helps me connect with you. So I wanted to share this latest review from Stace 123 And she said, I discovered this podcast today and I'm loving it. I think this would be helpful for every mama and papa. I can't wait to share this goodness with my loved ones. And I love that she said that it's not just for moms because it is. It's for everybody who wants to learn something new, uplift their lives, connect with, you know, the meaning of life. Why are we here? What's going on? Like, what what is the purpose? Um, And so I love reviews like that. So thank you. And I think I'm going to be sharing reviews each and every week because it really does connect us all. You know, you're listening to this, whether you're on your walk or on your commute, and it connects you to another listener who's maybe resonating with something that you resonated with. So I think that that's just super cool. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Ashley Merrill. And uh, if you would be so kind to share it out and leave a review yourself, uh, who knows, maybe I'll share it with our audience next week. Enjoy, guys. Well, hello, Ashley. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here, and I'm so excited to give our listeners some practical entrepreneurial advice. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So before we get started, um, how would you describe your journey into entrepreneurship? How did it all begin? My goodness. It began by recognizing a problem. Uh, I was somebody who was wearing my husband's old clothes around the bedroom and, um, I sort of looked at myself at one point and thought, you know, why am I wearing this? Uh, And what I realized was in an effort to be comfortable, I had sort of given up all need to feel good about the clothes, you know, how I looked and how I felt um, and and the pieces that I was choosing to wear. And so um, it kind of sent me on this journey to find something better. Uh, It didn't actually start with the idea, oh, I'm going to instantly create my own company. It started with me out there looking for somebody else who might solve this niche and then realizing that there was a gap in the market there. Mm. Yeah. I think that's a lot. Like that's how most entrepreneurship stories start. It's, it's people looking for something to solve a problem and they're flabbergasted when they don't have an easy solution out there. So that's pretty cool. So why don't you tell our listeners a little bit more about Luna Luna and, and what you guys bring to the table? So Lunia is a, uh, you know, a very high quality sleepwear company. And what we do is we really try to create um, solutions that help people feel like their most confident and comfortable self at home. Um, sometimes that looks, you know, like just having best in class fibers. And sometimes that looks like um, having technical fabrics that actually have a function orientation. Like we have a cool fabric that helps with temperature when you get too hot when you're sleeping, which is a very common problem I hear about. We have a core fabric that is uh, great for increasing circulation post-workout. Um, we have silk, which honestly is a naturally thermoregulating fiber. So great for if you, you know, it's kind of cool when your body's hot and it's warm when your body's cool. So it has this sort of natural properties, but it's also just like an incredibly luxurious feeling fabric. Um, and so ultimately we're a sleepwear company that tries to make, um, products to help people have a better experience at home and to sleep better. I love that. So when you were starting the company from the very beginning, did you know a lot about fabrics? Did you know a lot about business? How did you go from, huh, there's a hole in the market to 
to where you are now, which is just, you know, you're just expanding so much and you have all these different kinds. And I mean, how did you get from A to B? Yeah, it's, that was not a very glamorous process. So it started, (laughs) I definitely have um, the business background. So I started out of school um, at a VC and, um, and got a nice overview of business. And then I worked in business development at an online media company, but I did not have the fashion background. Um, And that was, that was ominous for me. You know, how do you get in, how do you create a garment? How do you do something that, you know, not only have you never done, but you're also having ambitions of being able to do it better than everybody else and how they're currently doing it. Um, And so, you know, it started by putting my dream out there in the world. Uh, I went to my friends and would say, I have this idea and this is what I'm thinking. I would ask them if they could relate to the problem. I would see if they knew anybody. Um, interestingly, one of my first most helpful connections came from, uh, I was telling a girl who owned a boutique near my house that uh, I had this idea. And she said, oh, I know somebody who um, does production uh, at, a, at another clothing company. Maybe you could chat with her. Maybe she'd be able to point you in the right direction. And mm-hmm. here, this very casual encounter of someone who you might not think would be able to point you in the right direction uh, was was probably the first key connection point that helped me get to the next level. Because really, it's a series of putting it out there, meeting people, and either them being the right person to help you or them helping to pass you along to somebody else. You know, sort of this was my learning process. That and Googling how to make clothes. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> no, but I think that that's true. So many times, you know, we have a dream for ourselves or we want something and it, it, it is that, that putting it out, that asking to the universe. And then all of a sudden things start lining up. Like I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my family and friends. I mean, it's really incredible. And I'm kind of astonished that more people just don't accept this. You know, they're always surprised. I think when it happens, me included. Um, but really like this is kind of a natural process that happens when you do kind of just put it out there. I love that. And I think too, like by you talking to that that um, boutique owner, like you didn't come off as desperate or I want to use you for information. You were literally just having a conversation, a natural conversation. I think the vulnerability of it too, you know, I have this dream. I think there's this potential, you know, like I didn't, I wasn't even, I don't even know if I directly asked, but I think that people or a lot of people who, um, you know, some who know you and some who don't, I think they have an inclination towards connection and helping you succeed, or maybe I've just been very lucky and I feel that I'm surrounded by people like that. Um, but that has been my experience most of the way through, you know, you put it out there and, um, to varying degrees, people, I think, uh, certainly there's naysayers, but I would just say that was such a small percentage of people. Most people were just really excited to be helpful. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, as your business grew and you became bigger and bigger and were more successful, what was the first thing that you did um, as far as expansion for you and the brand? Was it hiring someone? Was it, you know, getting, you know, a personal assistant from overseas? What did you do? Yeah, I did. Um, so after Googling how to make clothes, I, I um, I did, you know, I started working with this consultant, this person in production that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. And she, um, she ended up being incredibly helpful because she kind of helped me start to think about process. You know, what, what happens 
What happens first? Who are the key players? You know, I didn't know, like, do I need a designer? Does a designer, you know, and now I realize you have a creative designer, you have a tech pack designer, you have someone who manages production, fabric, getting fabric and, and procuring it and that whole process <clears throat> sometimes is, that's from someone who does product development. There's all these pieces. I didn't even know who the right pieces were. Um, and so just having her, she helped me kind of line up a timeline and figure out who the key players were. And so she was really an important first piece um, in helping me begin to realize um, how this would work. And then she was able to help me kind of connect with different people who would be helpful, you know, potentially like, I think she was the one who connected me to my designer. Um, and so she was really instrumental in helping me even know who the right people to have in the room were. Wow. That's incredible. And it all started from that one conversation. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it really is. It like gives me chills. Um, so I have to ask the question that a lot of our listeners uh, probably are thinking right now is, you know, that sounds great. I love it, but I don't have the money to start a company. You know, I'm either working from home or I'm a full-time mom. Where do you get the funding to do something on this scale? Well, I think the point you made about on this scale is really an important one. I would say, you know, it really doesn't cost that much in the very early stage. You do need money. Um, you can't start something without anything. Um, and so, and I do think it's a good practice if you want to build a business to assume that you're going to need some amount of money to get going, to at least build a, a story that you can sell to somebody else so that they can give you more money. Um, I was lucky in this regard. I had the capital to get it started. So I'm, I'm sort of an anomaly, I realize. Um, and, and so I was able to do that on my own. But I am also someone who actually at this point invests in a lot of other people's business. And one thing that I tell them often is to get as far as you can on your own. Mm -hmm. um, I have a few reasons for that. One of them, though, is because generally the, the beginning things you can do inexpensively. And I do think there's a lot of value in not jumping in and hiring a whole bunch of people right from the beginning. Because I didn't have a lot of capital to put in it at the beginning, and I was very risk adverse around that, um, I was using this girl's hours very carefully. And I was learning a lot from her and always asking the question, what do I need her to do or what can I do? And the process of doing that forced me to learn all aspects of this business. Mm -hmm. And my ability to speak, you know, not deeply knowledgeably, but, but, you know, somewhat knowledgeably to my production team and my operations team, and as well as my marketing team, that all comes from those early days of struggle and having to do a lot of things. So one of the things I think that's awesome about that kind of early stage when you don't have a lot of capital is you get your, you stick your fingers into all areas of the business and you learn, um, who you need and what good looks like. And that's so helpful. So I think that there's a lot, I mean, look, you can build a business, you can build a website for almost nothing. You can get a, someone to build you a logo for almost nothing. You can usually buy a URL for almost nothing. You can read how to make a piece of clothing for nothing. Um, you know, having this girl help me get going, that's, you know, there's sort of some nominal hourly rate for that. That was, you know, you can, that, that was doable for me. Um, and so I would just say, Get as far as you can. It also allows you to build a more compelling business model, which I think is makes your job 
of raising capital much easier. Okay. So then once you were at that point where, you know, you had done a lot of the, you know, bootstrapping yourself, you'd kind of build the foundation. At what point then did you start to go towards investors or seek um, funding from outside sources? Well, so, you know, I I think this is kind of where I say my situation is probably more of an anomaly, Mm -hmm. but I, I, cause I'm, I'm still self-funded, but I, it's an, a unique opportunity that I have to be able to do that. But I had ability to raise, um, relatively early on. Um, it started with a lot of, I mean, the great news is there is a lot of capital out there. Um, and, and I'll talk to people with varying, you know, different impressions around this for good ideas that have real demonstrable, um, supply and demand. You know, um, but I get calls all the time from these VCs and uh, family offices, and I think that there is money out there. You you need to be far enough along though that you can demonstrate that you have something and you can build something that people will want. Mm-hmm. And that is something that um, you know. That's why I say go as long as you can because you'll get much more interest if you can demonstrate that. I love it. Okay. So I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. You are a mother, um, and you have this obviously very successful business as well. Why was it important for you to have your own business in addition to raising a family? You know, I think maybe I fell for the, you can have it all thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I mean, I, I also wanted it all. I want, I, I like the idea of having a life that isn't one note. Um, and I uh, was lucky enough, I grew up, I had a great family, um, and my parents were both very involved in my life, but in, in the majority of my childhood, my mother played the stay-at-home role, and my father um, I was more of the career person, and I think that I felt somewhere lost between the two of them. You know, I was ambitious and um, loved the, the challenge of, of the career idea, but then I also admired my mom for, um, her, the value she placed on family and the role she played in my life. And I just didn't want to have to choose. Mm. Um, There wasn't a lot of people that I could look to though, um, to, to prove to myself that this could work. I found people that were incredible entrepreneurs or maybe people that were, um, uh, great mothers, but not a lot of people where I could see the, the bridge between both. Nowadays, I'm happy to say, I think there's a lot more examples of that. Um, but I did, I just wanted both. It's complicated though, in the, how you get it. I think I, um, I, I, I wasn't sure. I wasn't, I wasn't sure how I was going to time it. You know, the timing thing sort of is, is an issue. You know, I, you have to get senior, I had to get senior enough in my career that I was going to be able to lead people that I knew how to do some of these things. But then, you know, unfortunately that like biological time clock is right around the same time. So it was a really tricky, it's, it's been a really tricky thing to navigate. Okay. I love that you said that because I think so many people, I hate the question, honestly, you know, how do you balance it all? I hate that question. Um, but again, it was like, you didn't have these particular role models laid out for you already. It's, it's like you saw the gap in the the clothing industry as well. And you just said, I'm going to do it. Like, do you understand? Like, that's actually really rare for a person to do. <laughs> you know, my, my motto is be the change. I think um, in today's world, I, I think there's a, there's, there's a lot of noise, you know, and, and a lot of it's not very positive. 
Um, there's there's a lot of things that you can focus on, particularly in media cycles right now, where you just it, it feels. Um, depressing and hopeless. And I've always loved that motto, be the change, because I thought it gave me something to do with that energy. Mm. Uh, And so I've tried, you know, like certainly not without lots of failures, but to try to live into that in my life. And I thought, you know, well, it looks like a hard thing to do. Um, I see this gap in the market. Uh, I want to have kids, you know, I just sort of identified those things and I went, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna try. Um, Mm. Yeah, it's it's uh, tricky. <laughs> <laughs> so what have you learned? What are some of your best practices for balancing work and family life and feeling like you're not failing in either? Because I think that's yeah. something that a lot of us struggle with. So uh, tactically, I have advice. On the feeling of feeling like you're not failing, I'll tell you, I haven't for sure been over to overcome that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I often feel like I'm failing. And I, I just say that because I feel like it's just... I want to be really honest about that so that people who have those feelings don't feel like they're alone with them. I, when I'm not at work um, and when I'm hanging out with my kids, I feel like there's so many things I should be doing for work. And when I'm with my kids, I often feel like there's so many things I should be doing, you know, vice versa. You know, it's like, I'm always feeling like I should be doing more um, in one area or the other. And that does often lead to me just feeling like I'm failing. And then you know, that's basically me just describing my kids and my work, let alone my marriage, myself, you know, all the other things that your friends, right. the other things that play into that. So um, I haven't found a great solution to it. The way I get through it, though, is I try to think of my, my life um, like a pie graph. I think about it, um, it, it helps me pull up and think about it in a macro sense and then not get worried that maybe in these periods, these, these couple of years that I might have imbalance. And I look at my pie graph of life and I think about, you know, yes, I want career. It's really not so much, you know, it's, it's, I want self-actualization, personal self-actualization. And for me, that does show up a bit in career. I want help. I want kids. I want a marriage. I want fun. You know, I have all these things that I want, but I don't believe that I have to have them all at the same time. There are certain things that that the timing was dictated for me. It was the time to do Lunia when I when I started it. There was an opportunity there that you know might not hold forever. Um, and the time that I started kids, I think I'm grateful that I did it then because certainly my life hasn't gotten easier or less complicated. Uh, so I don't know when a better moment would be. And there's an aspect of just the biological time clock on that one. You know, there's just. I had to have them when it, but there are certain things that I can delay a little bit. And those things would be things like, um, I, you know, I, I can have more adventure and more fun in, in the chapter that follows this. You know, I can, I can do some of those things. I can spend more time with my husband, more time with my friends. So I have had to prioritize in the short term, but I'm trying my best to make sure that long term I don't get out of sync. So that's how I, I get through the guilt of it. In the practical application standpoint, though, um, it, it's choose your partner really wisely. Um, I think that that's probably my number one. You know, somebody who believes that your self-actualization is worth it to the, the marriage or partnership that you've built is going to be really key because it will take sacrifice on their part, too. And so I feel lucky I have a partner that believes very much in my dreams and has also been willing to change and grow a lot beyond the model that maybe he grew up with. 
in, in a marriage. And I think that that, um, that's really helped me, uh, because it's meant that we could have, we can have, um, a balance with the kids that changes over time. And sometimes he does more and sometimes I do more. And that's kind of the fluidity has really worked well for us. Um, I also like to point out that I have help. Um, I could not have done this without a nanny. <laughs> I, I always say that because I think people don't talk about the fact that the childcare situation. Um, I had my kids in daycare. I had a nanny. I had to say no to a lot of work things sometimes, or to a lot of school things, I should say. And sometimes that felt bad for me, you know, they'd kind of make a joke when I'd go into preschool and go, Oh, you know, they'd be like, it's great to see you kind of like, not there that passive aggressive. (laughs) And I don't think they meant it that way, but it's uh, because I had so much guilt about it. I felt that really deeply. And so there was a lot of sort of self-talk I had to give myself to get through that. Um, But I will just say, you know, I just, at the end of the day, it felt right for me. I thought, you know, this is what I need to be a whole person and a happy person. And I do think as a whole and happy person, I'm going to be a better mother long-term. And so that's how I kind of did that. But lots of help. My parents live close. um, And that's been really helpful. It's sort of like building in redundancy into your model. You know, Mm -hmm. I had to... I had to make sure there were people there that could do the things that come up at last minute that normally, you know, a stay at home or more flexible career person could jump on with the kids. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I love that you admitted like, yes, I had a nanny. I had my kids in daycare because often when women, you know, put themselves out there as, you know, they're the head of the brand and they're, you know, the, the, the images that they're doing it all by themselves. And that's simply not true. I mean, it's just impossible, really. Um, so I, I, love that, I love that you were honest about that. Yeah. I mean, I think it just sets a dangerous precedent for people to then look at, look at me or, and if I haven't talked about it, they feel like somehow they, they've failed or they should have been able yeah. to do it all. And I just, I just think that that's, you're going to be sorely disappointed if, if you, if you feel like you're going to have to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. And another thing I've learned just from speaking with a lot of psychologists and life coaches on the show is people are incredibly hard on themselves more so than anybody else, you know, political party religions be damned. It's, it's really, we're hard, we're toughest on ourselves. And so for you to realize that and to kind of say, Hey, yeah, this kind of, I feel guilt about this. I feel maybe shame about this, but I'm going to go after my dreams and because I'm going to be a happier mom at the end of the day. And that's something that I love and I resonate with so much. And I think the listeners do too. Um, and that's why they're listening to this show. Um, sure. But it, I mean, it's true though. It's like, if we don't, if we don't go after what we want, we're literally at home. We're, we're not really present. You know, we're here, you know, we're not going out and working, but we're miserable. And then the kids, they feel that they absolutely feel that. I think that's the seed of, um, of resentment, mm. you know, a feeling that you sort of had this other life that you would have or should have explored for yourself. And, um, and I think that, that you're right. Kids feel that husbands feel that. Mm-hmm. And I think around you feel that. And, um, ultimately that's why I say, you know, choose a partner that kind of intrinsically knows that, <laughs> that knows that your happiness and not, and I don't mean the transient kind of happiness, but knows that you're like long-term feelings of self-actualization, actualization, um, actually matter. 
Yeah. And was that some, I mean, was this something that you discussed before you got married or, you know, decided that you wanted to start a family? Did he know that you wanted a business or that you had these greater dreams or was it just part of you? He knew we did have some conversation. Well, he knew to some extent, just like I only really knew to some extent. Mm -hmm. Also, I was young when I got married. I was 25 when I got married. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, when I look back on my 25 year old self, I kind of laugh at how little I knew myself at that point. But what I did know was that I knew I wanted um, a career because I just had, I always relished the challenge of one. And I did articulate that to him. And I did know that um, I wanted an amount of financial independence. Uh, And he knew that too. I didn't know that it was going to mean me starting my own business. But I mean, certainly I had figured that was a possibility I just, I, I knew that it probably meant I wasn't going to solely be um, at home uh, with it, with the kids. And, and I was, but that made sense for me. You know, I think I'm not someone who even babysat, you know, when I was little, I just, I like kids. Um, but I, I just, it, it wasn't what lit me up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Self-awareness is key. Right. <laughs> Oh, I love it. So, you know, we're kind of coming to the end of the conversation, but if there was one thing, one practical thing that the audience could do, if they have a dream in their heart, maybe they don't even know what they want to do. What advice would you give to them to start going after something bigger than what they're currently experiencing? Yeah, I think, um, I recently heard this word ikigai. It's a Japanese word and it's one that we've actually instituted here as a value at Lunia, but basically it means that you should think about the things that you're good at. Um, think about the, the things that you the value you can bring, um, and ultimately think about what you can get paid for. You know, mm-hmm. sometimes that means starting a business. Sometimes that means a, a job at somebody else's business, but that ultimately your joy will come from the intersection of feeling good about what you do, being good at something and, and actually having that be a profession for you in some capacity. And that might mean, by the way, even a stay at home mom, or, you know, if that, if that's where it is, but I do feel like a life lived with that orientation does feel to me, like it has more potential for joy and happiness because there's such an authenticity to it where you're not like swimming upstream with what you actually like because of a title or, you know, some sort of end goal that sounds sexy or you saw on TV. I think that this, this Ikigai concept is a really powerful one. And there's charts online. If you Google the word Ikigai, they're like these overlapping circle charts. And I think filling them out can be an incredible exercise for you to figure out what is it that is unique to you that you might want to double down on in terms of your path forward. I love that. And I think that that's, that's key right there. I mean, it's exploring, it's asking the question that so many people don't take the time to ask of themselves. Who am I? What am I into? What am I actually good at? I mean, those are crucial questions that we should all be exploring, you know, routinely because things change as well. That's, that's a good point too. That's why I think I laugh at my 25 year old self. No. Different, not not in a mean way, but just looking back, just being like, man, you know, what a different person I was then. Oh, for sure, for sure. Um, so I do have some rapid fire questions for you, if you're ready. I'm ready. Entrepreneurship is. 
challenging. Mm. I'm grateful for. The people that I have around me, my family and my team. And what's something that you've learned in life that you wish someone would have told you earlier on? It's incredibly human. I think I was very left-brained in my approach to life. I figured it was going to be much more um, about skill sets and doing, but I'm surprised by how much it's about feeling and, um, and the emotional awareness piece and how important that's been in terms of my relationship with my husband and my kids and my team. Mm, I love that. Um, so how can our audience find you online, check out Lunia, um, all of the things. Sure. Um, on Instagram, I'm Ashley and then two underscores, Merrill, M-E-R-R-I-L-L. Um, Lunia is Lunia.co, L-U-N-Y-A, um, dot co. And then we're also on Instagram and that's probably the best ways to keep up with me and the company. I love it. And your Instagram is beautiful. And we were talking before and I was like, I just love it. Like, it's just, it, it definitely pushes the limit of, of what you're normally used to seeing for, for casual, uh, clothing. So I just, I love it so much. It's so beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate that. You have been listening to the motherhood unstressed podcast and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you got anything of benefit out of this episode, please don't hesitate share it with a friend, put it on your Insta stories, tag me at motherhood unstressed so we can get the word out about the show and you know, the benefit that it's bringing to so many people all over the world. Um, really at the end of the day, my mission, my goal, everything that this show is about is about up leveling your life to the next level, to the higher vibration, um, through education, through entertainment, um, through just a sense of connection to others who want the same thing and who are interested in exploring, you know, what is the meaning of life? Why am I here? And how can I make it as amazing and magical as possible? That to me is the entire point of this show. So thank you for sharing it. Thank you for taking five seconds to leave us a review and hit those five stars because that's really that's just so amazing and helps the show so, so much. Uh, this show is sponsored by Motherhood Unstressed CBD. This is the CBD line that I created with the intention of helping you, the listener, battle stress and anxiety naturally with the power of cannabis. Yes, CBD comes from the cannabis plant, um, the hemp plant specifically, but all of the studies coming out about cannabis are just so amazing and the, the, the level of help that it's bringing to people, young and old, is just incredible. And, you know, some of our clients have said, you know, I feel after three days, I feel so amazing. I feel like I can take on the world. I'm not in my house, scared to leave, scared to talk to people. I don't have the pain I was having before. I don't have the postpartum depression I was having before. It's just every single day I'm hearing from clients who are improving their lives from this product that I created with United States farmers and through a manufacturer um, to really bring you the best product on the market with the intention behind it that is pure and full of love for you, you know, the client and the listener who are buying it. So thank you. Till next time.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.